Agnes Tyler, and welcome to another episode of Context for Kids, where I teach you guys stuff most adults don't even know. If this is your first time hearing, or if you have missed anything, you can find all the episodes archived at contextforkids.podbean.com, which has them downloadable, or at contextforkids.com, where I have transcript for readers, or on my Context for Kids YouTube channel. Parents, all scripture comes from the CSB this week, the Christian Standard Bible, and we will mostly be in Genesis 11, which says the whole earth had the same language and vocabulary. As people migrated from the east, they found a valley in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make oven-fired bricks. They used brick for stone and asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let's build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the sky. Let's make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered throughout the earth. So we've already talked about the first two verses. We did that last week. Now we're going to get down to the nitty gritty and talk about the Tower of Babel, that all those nameless people who wanted to make a name for themselves but ended up being totally unknown wanted to build so that it would have its top in the heavens, but we can't just talk about the tower because they also wanted to build a city. And the Bible even talks about how they were going to build it. And let me tell you, this description of how they would build it was amazingly accurate. Very different from how they built things in the land of Israel, where they had more rocks than you could throw a stone at. Hey, wait a minute. Never mind. Or, you know, in Egypt, where they used mud, baked bricks, and stone. But in Shinar, no rocks. If they wanted to build something to last, they really had to use their noggins. So what was the city in Shinar like? Well, first of all, people didn't really live in the cities. Not at first, anyway. Back during those times, the cities were there. That's where you would find the public buildings and spaces like marketplaces and temples. And if you wanted someone to decide who was right and who was wrong, then you would take your problems or your court cases to the judges and elders who sat at the gates of the city. Now, when I say gates, I don't want you to think of the movies with the portcullis, which, you know, is the metal grate that can go up and down you know, in a castle wall or big doors. It wasn't a gate like you would have in a fence. The gate was actually a building in the wall of a city that opened inside and outside of the city. You would find people like tax collectors, judges, and scribes, you know, who were educated people who could read and write, and they made up contracts for people like for when they sold something or got married. And if you want to see something really totally cool, when I post the transcript on Monday, I will put up a link so that you can see the Ishtar Gate in Babylon, what that looked like. It was very beautiful. Of course, it wasn't built until thousands of years after the Tower of Babel was built. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar built it about 600 years before Jesus. It was one of the wonders of the ancient world, along with the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, which he also built, and his ziggurat, which was also, you know, he built three of the wonders of the ancient world. He was like, he had it going on. So cities weren't places where people lived originally. They were places that people went to do business and serve the gods in their temples. People were almost entirely farmers or shepherds or artisans. Now, artisans are people who make things like baskets or clay pots or who do metalwork like, you know, a blacksmith. Cities were also places where people hid when enemy raiders came to steal their food and animals and take over their land. 
If a city had walls, it was hard to get in and hurt the people. You know, there are stories in the ancient world um, and in the Bible of enemy armies being stuck outside of a city, unable to get in for over a year. If there was enough food inside a city, people could survive until the raiders ran out of patience and left, but they could also starve to death. It's great to have your enemies locked out, but it isn't so good to be locked in for an extended period of time. And so all these people who came and settled in the land of Shinar, which I told you last week was in what we now call Sumer, or in the south of the modern country of Iraq, uh, they decided that there uh, were enough of them, that they should build a city where they could do business and settle arguments and even be safe from enemies. Now, some people think that cities are all terrible places because Cain built a city and Sodom and Gomorrah were cities and Babylon and Susa and Nineveh too. But Jerusalem was also a city, the place God chose to place his name. And at the end of Revelation, we will be in the new Jerusalem, which will be so much bigger than any city we have now. It'll be hundreds of miles in every direction. Even from a plane, you couldn't see it all. You'd have to be in space. Now, cities are good when they're places where all kinds of people can come together and worship God and get what they need from each other and help one another. That's God's kind of city, right? Clean, beautiful, and safe. Imagine being able to leave your house for five days and your mom not even worrying about where you are. And definitely don't. Try that now in any city or in town either. Just, you know, just don't do it at all, okay? Miss Tyler will get in trouble. So cities aren't good or bad. It's what happens inside them that is good or bad. And people out in the country can be just as awful or wonderful as the people in the cities, and I know that personally. Little dudes, we all need Jesus. So we don't really have many questions about what it meant to build cities because, you know, we can look at archaeological digs and find out all about that because they've uncovered a lot of ancient cities and sometimes we can even know what the different buildings were used for. What we have you know, a lot of questions about is that tower and what it looked like and even what it was for. You know, and people who study the Bible in the ancient world have a couple of different ideas because the text doesn't really say. One idea is that it was a watchtower, which would have been for military use. A watchtower was um, attached to a wall um, or another building. And guards could stand and watch at the top and, and alert the people if it looked like a group of people were going to attack. But the watchmen at the top of the tower had to be very careful because if they saw tumbleweed coming and woke everyone up because they freaked out, then they would lose their job pretty quick or maybe even their life. You know, people who believe it was a watchtower often think that Nimrod was there and that, um, and, and it was all built as part of his defenses for his first city. And that is a very interesting what if that a lot of smart people agree with. You know, a lot of smart people think a lot of different things. And it's okay if um, you look at it and you see something too. And 
go investigate it. All right. Now, another idea, which is much more popular with Bible scholars, is that the Tower of Babel was a ziggurat. Now, we've talked about ziggurats before, and they are found all over the world because it's just one type of pyramid. If you've seen the Egyptian pyramids, you know that they figured out how to make the sides flat, but most everywhere else, and especially in Babylon, they have different levels and steps up the side. We find them in uh, Iraq, Iran, China, Cambodia, Mexico, and Indonesia, and who knows? Maybe some of your ancestors built one. That'd be pretty cool. Now, the pyramids in Egypt were tombs for their pharaohs, their kings, because they thought their kings were actually gods. And so these tombs were monuments where they would place their bodies after they died. But the pyramids in Mesopotamia, where Babylon was, were different. Ziggurat is a word that means raised platform, which is exactly what it was. Think of a stack of boxes where the one on the bottom is really big and the next one is smaller and the one after that is smaller, you know, all the way to the top. Some ziggurats had only two levels and some actually had seven. There were stairs from the bottom to the top and you might think those stairs were for people, but they actually weren't. Although priests and kings would use the stairs, they were built so that the city, so that the, uh, the city god could come down to the city to bless everyone. Yes, their gods had to use the stairs to come down from wherever it was that they spent their time. Remember, I've told you that these guys weren't like our god. They were more like humans with powers and really important jobs, like making it rain or making sure that the sun comes up every morning. Now, along with every ziggurat was a temple or a shrine to the city god, but no one is entirely sure if it was at the top or at the bottom because the ones they found are mostly in pretty bad condition. So we don't really know for sure. Maybe sometimes they were at the top and other times they were at the bottom. But the purpose of the ziggurat was to make a place where heaven and earth overlap where the world of the gods and the world of the humans would meet and the gods could come down and bless the humans. And the humans could feed and care for the gods because humans were their slaves. Now, when you look at all the artwork from a long time ago about what they thought the Tower of Babel looked like, you can see that they didn't know anything about archaeology or the ancient world. <laughs> they made their towers really modern looking like with rounded sides and spiral staircases, but they didn't have that kind of technology. And besides that, a tower like that wouldn't be very sturdy. It would break down very easily, be like the leaning tower of Pisa, only it wouldn't still be standing. Now, ziggurats were built so tough that some of them are still around today. Now, they weren't built of stone, of course, because they didn't have any. But like the Bible says, the people made baked mud bricks and mud was something that they had a lot of. But you might look at a picture of a ziggurat and think that it was hollow inside like a house with big rooms. But that wasn't the case. It was if it was hollow inside, then it would have collapsed. There were small rooms, very small rooms inside for the priests to work in. But the ziggurats were built with bricks on the outside 
And, you know, uh, and around the rooms and, you know, between the brick walls was a whole lot of dirt, which made the whole thing very strong and very heavy if you wanted to lift it, which you don't. Now, some people think that they built the Tower of Babel so they could worship a false god, but we don't really see anyone doing that yet in the Bible. I don't think that happened until they had different languages and different nations and forgot God. That's just me. I think they were trying to get God to come back to them, actually, since their ancestors had been thrown out of the garden. Remember, the Bible doesn't tell us for sure, and it's okay to have different ideas. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about all the Nimrod legends and how some people thought that they were building the Tower of Babel so that if God flooded the earth again, they could run up to the top of the tower and be okay. Others believed that they wanted to use the tower so they could attack heaven, which would have definitely ended up with them getting their puny human butts kicked. And then later on, um, some people decided that the tower was built for idol worship and that Nimrod wanted to burn Abraham to a crisp for not worshiping there. But, you know, it was almost impossible for them to have been alive at the same time. But after the flood, no one would know where the entrance to the Garden of Eden was. You know, where the place where they knew the presence of God was. And remember that in Ezekiel 28, verses 13 through 14, we find out that the garden was on a mountain. And I've actually got in the transcript, I've got a graphic there. So the people in Shinar, I think they believed from Noah's stories that if they could just get high enough that they could find God again and get him to come down and bless them. A ziggurat was a man-made mountain. They even looked like mountains. And we see that they wanted to build a tower with its top in the sky, which brings me to something so cool. There was this ginormous ziggurat named Antemenanki, which means the temple of the foundation of heaven and earth. Guess who built it? That's right, Nebuchadnezzar. And it was also considered a wonder of the world until Alexander the Great trashed it. Dang it. So this was way after the Tower of Babel, but what they called it and what they said about it at the time has taught us a lot about why they built them and how they felt about them and what they believed about how building one would bring the blessing of the god or goddess it was dedicated to. Nebuchadnezzar called his ziggurat the temple of the foundation of heaven and earth. And because he believed that at the top of the ziggurat was where the god Marduk could pass from the heavens down into the ziggurat and then could walk down the stairs and bless the king in the city. And guess what he made it with? Baked bricks and asphalt or tar. You know the stuff they make our roads with? Exactly like the Bible tells us about the Tower of Babel. Baked bricks with asphalt in between them would make the building waterproof, which was also very important. So I think that's what the people of Shinar were doing, too. I think they wanted God back. I think they wanted to make another mountain of God where they could be with him. I think they wanted to gather as one people and build a mountain so tall that God could come down and be with them again. I don't think they felt very blessed anymore. People want to be protected and blessed, and they know that their God hears them and is paying attention, okay? 
It's a lonely life without a connection to God. It, it can be scary too, and especially back then. Was it wrong for them to want this? Certainly not wrong to want to be near God, but that's not exactly what they were trying to do because a ziggurat was built in order to get a God to show up in a certain place so that they could be taken care of, fed, bathed, dressed, anointed with oil, and put to bed at night. Well, that's what their idol was for anyway. You know, they, they took care of their God by taking care of the idol that represented the God. Not sure exactly why they, you know, thought that that would work, but they sure did. But God sent humans away from the garden and he could have called them back if he wanted to be taken care of. They were trying to take for themselves what God had taken away. And that never works. I mean, they didn't even ask God what he wanted from them or what they could do to bring him closer. They just decided to take matters into their own hands and build that mountain and the city around it. And while they were at it, people from all over the world would be amazed and would come to their city and they would be near God too and spend money there. And the builders would all be rich and famous. And that is exactly what happened when cities built ziggurats and temples. Now, later when Israel came to the Holy Land, God did have the people build him a temple on top of a mountain, Mount Zion, which is also called Mount Moriah. Uh, God gave David the plans to build the temple in writing from the Holy Spirit. This is First Chronicles 28.11. Then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the portico of the temple and its buildings, treasuries, upstairs rooms, inner rooms, and a room for the mercy seat. That's the Ark of the Covenant. The plans contained everything he had in mind for the courts of the Lord's house, all the surrounding chambers, the treasuries of God's house, and the treasures for what is dedicated. David concluded, By the Lord's hand on me, he enabled me to understand everything in writing, all the details of the plan. Dang, guys! The Holy Spirit gave David the plans for building the temple in writing and all the details. And God's temple on Mount Zion was made entirely of humongous stones and cedar beams, and some of it was even covered in pure gold. And there were carvings and moldings of trees and flowers because they designed it to be like the Garden of Eden on the mountain of God. Because that was where God said that they could meet him always. And people would gather every day to make sacrifices, to celebrate a feast with him, or give God a whole animal. Three times a year, all the people would come to God's temple on Mount Zion to celebrate. And two of those times were for an entire week on Passover and Sukkot, you know, which is the Feast of Tabernacles. It was the most beautiful building in the world. And when they opened it up for the first time and prayed, the presence of God came down to the Holy of Holies in the temple. Didn't use stairs. And all the priests had to leave the temple because there was just no way they could be in there with God's presence so strong. Now, right before Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the city and the temple, God left the temple and never came back to Mount Zion. You see, the mountain of God became a horrible place where Israelites worshipped the sun and the moon and so many false gods, and they carved pictures of creepy, crawly things into the walls, and the temple became such a filthy place that God decided to leave the temple and the city, and they weren't blessed anymore. They were just buildings and no longer protected by the Lord. They forced him to leave even though he loved them, and almost all 
you know, they almost all had to leave the Holy Land and were moved to the Babylonian Empire, where the Tower of Babel had been built thousands of years before. It was there that they saw what a land without God was really like, where the gods were cruel and didn't care for the humans at all, but only wanted to use them to get what they needed or wanted. And while while they were in Babylon, they learned that God had been a very great and wonderful God to them. In Babylon, they learned to hate idol worship and false gods. It was like when the Israelites in the wilderness were complaining about the wonderful free manna that God gave them to eat in the desert, and they were wanting to head back to Egypt, you know, for you know, the the free. And you know what? It's never free when you're enslaved. You're working for it. Um, but the free fish and onions and leeks and garlic. So God gave them nothing but quail until they thought they would rather die than eat any more of it. And the quail weren't very happy about the arrangement either. They were exiled or thrown out of the promised land because they were being cruel and sinful and worshiping other gods. While the Babylonians were way better at being cruel to vulnerable people than the Israelites. And so when they were in Babylon, they got their fill of what life was like without God there to protect them and bless them and show them what's right and what is wrong. They never knew how good they had it before, but they sure figured it out. And so, you know, God brought them back to Mount Zion and Jerusalem and the promised land. But when they built the new temple that God told them to build, well, he never showed up to put his presence in it. The spirit of God was never in that temple as it had been in Solomon's temple. And that was a big problem. Now, when Jesus came, something amazing happened. When his mother and father went to the temple to give an offering to God after Jesus was born, there were people who had been praying and waiting for him for a long time. Anna and Simeon, they realized that the presence of God was in the temple again. In this tiny little baby boy, and they were very happy. When Jesus was 12 years old and his family came for the Passover, they accidentally left him behind because the group they were in with all their relatives and their other children was so big. When they came back, they found him in the temple talking with the great sages who really knew the Bible. And he was shocking them with how much he knew and how clever and wise he was. They didn't know the presence of God was there in the temple again. They were just amazed. Now, when Jesus was 30 years old, he was baptized in the wilderness by his cousin John. And when he came up out of the water, God made sure that the people knew that something amazing was happening. John was very well respected and honored by all the people of Israel, and they were all going to him to be baptized because they wanted the Messiah to come and end their troubles with the cruel Romans. And things were pretty bad. But when Jesus came up out of the water, John said that he saw the Spirit of God resting on Jesus like a dove, and that a voice told him that Jesus was God's one unique beloved son. Temples were places, you know, where the Spirit of God was supposed to live inside an idol. But when they built the tabernacle in the first temple, God's Spirit lived inside it without any idol at all. When he told them to build another temple after the first one was destroyed, the Spirit of God was never there at all. Until Jesus came and brought the Spirit with him, and the Spirit was in him in the way it used to be in the temple of God. That made Jesus God's new and perfect temple, the place where God lived on earth and was worshipped perfectly. But then Jesus was crucified. 
so that uh, sin and death could be destroyed because it was the first time that they had ever done battle with God himself. Because sin and death had no authority, no power over Jesus because he'd never done anything wrong. And because his father was God who had also never sinned, so they lost the battle. And so when Jesus was raised from the dead, his body became the new temple. And when we believe him and call him our king and do what he says, we become part of him and we start becoming new and better people. We become part of God's new temple that's made up of every believer in the world. And that's what the apostle Paul told us. That's why the new temple that they made was destroyed 40 years after Jesus died and why there has never been another one. There are things that need to happen that God hasn't allowed to happen because Jesus is the ultimate temple of God and there will never be one greater than he is. Hmm. I love you. I'm praying for you. And I am pray that you have a wonderful time studying the Bible with the people who love you.